Welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast. If you love tennis and want to improve your game, this podcast is for you. Whether it's technique, strategy, equipment, or the mental game, tennis professional Ian Westerman is here to make you a better player. And now, here's Ian. Hi, and welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast, your place for free, expert tennis instruction that can truly help you improve your game. Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Tennis Express. Please check them out this week by going to EssentialTennis.com slash Express. Well, thank you very much for joining me on today's episode of the podcast. It's going to be a replay of a little bit older episode, number 55. And this is a really good conversation I had with Jason Cole, a good friend of mine and college teammate. And we talk about doubles and using the I formation which if you're a, a doubles player, you need to know how to do it. But we talk about when to use the eye formation, the, the strategy of it, how to use hand signals, etc. So really good. The reason why I'm doing a replay today is I have so much work to do and I'm behind in getting ready for the release of Complete Tennis Fitness, the comprehensive tennis fitness training course that Steve Beck and I are coming out with a little bit later this week. And if you haven't already looked at our free fitness course that we've been releasing over the past week or so, you need to do that right away. It's only going to be available until July 27th, which is uh, two days from now. So go check that out. There's three videos. You're going to learn about speed and quickness, strength and flexibility, how to increase all three of those things in your tennis game, specifically for tennis players. It's just really, really valuable stuff. And it's a totally free course, again, only until July 27th. So go check it out. If it's after July 27th and you're really serious about playing your best tennis and really reaching your potential on the court, I really urge you to go check out the full course uh, at completetennisfitness.com. It's a 19-week fitness program. It's been designed by Steve, a certified personal trainer, to be tennis-specific. And it's a totally guided course by Steve and myself. All 19 weeks, we will you know, hold your hand through the entire process. Well, maybe hold your hand doesn't sound the best. Uh, But uh, you you get the idea. We're going to be right by your side. There you go. That's better. Uh, As you go through the entire process and uh, really looking forward to working with those of you who sign up. It's going to be great. As with all the courses I do online, there's a money back guarantee. And also you can download everything right to your computer and continue to go over it over and over and go back through the course again as many times as you like in the future. So uh, really, really good stuff. And if you read through the comments in the free course, you'll just see player after player who is saying, yes, I've been doing fitness, maybe not you know, quite as, quite as in-depth as what you guys are showing us, but I've been doing a little bit, and it's helping me so much, and it's really the case. I mean, the, the more you train yourself and train your body, the more you're going to get out of it, and the stronger, faster, and more confident you're going to be on the court. So definitely check it out. Again, completetennisfitness.com. Get the free course before July 27th or sign up for the full full course after July 27th. All right, with that, let's go ahead and get to my conversation with Jason. Sit back, relax, and get ready for some great tennis instruction. Hi, Jason. How are you? 
I'm doing great, thanks. Yourself? Very well. Thank you. I'm very happy to have you back on the show. We've had several great conversations having to do with, with tennis strategy and technique and whatnot. And today's topic, I know, is something that we're going to enjoy talking about because we've done it together successfully in the past quite a bit, and that is the eye formation in doubles. I know you're looking forward to, to talking about this, aren't you? I, I love it. The only way to play. Nice. Well, this, this topic came to us from Sally, and she posted this on the forums at EssentialTennis.com. And here's our, her question. I'll read this quickly, and then Jason and I will get going. She wrote and said, Hey, Ian, in doubles, are you a fan of the I formation? Have you ever written a blog or talked about formations on your podcasts? In doubles, if our opponents have won a few points in a row and seem to be getting into a winning groove with their confidence building, as a server, I love to break up the momentum by throwing in the eye formation. However, I'm not sure if I'm doing it correctly. Is there a good or bad time to use an eye formation, i.e. if you're down 40 love, etc.? I'm sorry, down love 40, etc. Where should I serve? Should I serve down the T to their weaker side, into the body, etc.? And then lastly, she says, after I serve, should I come in or stay back? I tend to stay back and watch to see what happens with the return. Is this okay? Sometimes I think I would be, uh, if I was more aggressive and serve in volley, that might be better. I'd, lo- I'd love to know your thoughts on formations and whether you use them in competition and what it takes to really be successful with it. Cheers, many appreciations. Thanks, Sally. Well, Sally, we're going to answer all those questions today and even more. We're going to get pretty in-depth with this, and Jason and I are going to talk about all the pros and cons of both the I formation and the Australian formation as well. We're going to talk about when to use each of them, how to execute them, and even we're, we're going to talk a little bit about how to defend against them as well. So, Jason, let's start off with I formation. Um, I kind of gave away the answer to this question already, but are you a fan of the I formation? Uh, yes. I use it pretty much every competitive doubles match that I play in. Really, you use it that uh, that frequently, pretty much every time. Yeah, I don't. I don't think in the last ten years I've played a doubles match and not used it. At nice. least one that uh, is difficult. Okay, well let's let's start talking back and forth a little bit about when to use it. So we're we're playing a doubles match and. Let's go ahead and, and just assume that you and I are, are playing together. If we were competing against another team, when would be a good time for us to throw that in? And w- when would not be a good time? Let's start, when would be a good time? Uh, when would be a, a good time to start off with eye formation? Pretty, pretty much any time to start it is a good time. Uh, if you're rolling over your opponents, then perhaps it's just not necessary to keep doing what works. But there's something to be said for doing it before they ever get any groove. Sure. Uh, certainly, if they're in a groove, then that, that's time to use it also. So it's it's hard to pick a bad time to use it. You know, the, one of the, one of the beautiful things about it is the fact that it keeps them guessing. It doesn't let anybody feel comfortable about what they're doing. So, you know, never too early in a match to break out the eye formation. Yeah, I I agree. And speaking of just the standard formation in general, one up, one back, at least to start the point off with. I think that's a, a big mistake that a large percentage of club players make. Um, being the, the net person, if your partner is serving and you have a tendency to just be statuesque 
up there at the net and just sit there and give your opponents the the feeling that you're just going to be on your side, you're covering your alley, and that's all there is to it. That's very dangerous because that allows your opponents to, as Jason is saying, get into a groove very quickly and very early when, when they can take it for granted right away that they have basically a free shot cross court. If they can put it cross court, then you know they can play that all day and and pretty much be safe and at least get into the point and and start to get into a groove. So the eye formation is really a great way to to break up your opponent's uh, momentum and really keep them guessing and keep them off balance, isn't it? Absolutely. Well, when you have uh, you know a decent player who's sitting there and knows he has the entire cross court to hit the ball into, uh, you're going to get broken a lot. You, know, yeah. you, have to, you have to have them feel like you might actually come into play somewhat. And so, you know, whatever way you can do that, be it eye formation or poaching a lot or, or whatever, it, it's got to happen. You can't just stand up there. Yeah, I feel like so many times uh, at the 3-5, 4-0 level of tennis, it's just accepted that, the serve goes in, the return goes cross court, and then we play out the point. Right. And that's, you know, to me, it's yeah. a terrible, <laughs> terrible strategy. No, I agree. So we're, so we're trying to break up the momentum of the returner. We're trying to make the really re- the return to be as uncomfortable as possible. We want to get in their head and not in a, in a gamesmanship, you know, kind of way necessarily and being obnoxious and uh, uh, boisterous about it, but Maybe a little bit. We we want we want to get them guessing and, and really make them feel like they can't take anything for granted. At any given point, the the net player might be going one way or the other, and uh, we're going to make them uncomfortable. So let, let's talk about how to execute it, Jason. And in general, uh, the we want both players. I formation obviously uh, refers to um, both players being kind of right in the middle of the courts and. Um, having them both start from that position. So we have the, the net player basically right around the center service line and the server pretty close to the hash mark, kind of serving from a singles position. Is that uh, pretty typical of I-formation starting off, Jason? It is, yeah. You, as, the, as the player at net, I usually, and this changes depending on if the person's great at returning cross-court or down the line, I might cheat over towards that way to help myself just a little bit. But about a about a foot away from the center line, crouched down, of course, so the server can serve over my head to pinch. And another important thing is that the server himself is right on that center line as well, uh, yeah. as close as he can get, obviously, without being over it. Because sometimes I see the server, like kind of in the half halfway between the hash mark and the single sideline, which is a returner, makes me feel like if I hit it down the line, there's no way he can get there. Right, right. You, you've got to let you've got to let, let the returner see that both of you, not just the guy in that, could go either way. Do you have a preference as far as the net player's actual position is concerned? Uh, when you and I played and we did eye formation, I I kind of like a kind of a low lunge kind of position with uh, one me one knee under me and my my back leg kind of stretched out. Um, I've also seen professional players kind of just get into a squat position and kind of sit down and pop up from that. Uh, is there one you, that you think is better than the other as far as being able to get up and move quickly? Yeah, I like the low lunge. Uh, the squat works. Usually the difference between the two is the guy who's just squatting, starting right up near the net, and assuming that the ball is coming 
very quick and they don't have time to move anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're not playing at, at that level, then you can, it. you can get away with it at that level. Being in a low lunge, that way you get to push yourself forward into whatever direction is coming. So for pretty okay. much everybody listening, uh, you know, I would have like one knee out, one leg behind, and then you duck over that so that when the serve comes over your head, your initial motions just to pop up going forward, and then you're either going forward to the right or forward to the left. You're not just right. standing on your on your heels hoping the ball comes there. Right. So then, how how close do you think is a is a good spot for that net person to uh, to start? Should they be halfway between the service line and the nets, or a little closer than that, farther away? What do you think? Well, it depends. Uh, it depends on the person. It depends on uh, what I just talked about when you make that that step forward out of your lunge, how quick and how powerful that is. Uh, you know, yeah. as a better player, Ian, I know you were starting back a decent ways so that when you took that lunge, you were right on top of the net. Uh, you know, if you'd have started up halfway or even a little closer, you'd have taken that lunge and been falling over the net. So Right, right. It's all about how close you can get. Remember, in eye formation, you're not really worried about the lob because you got your coming in right behind you, so... You don't want to poach up, stand up from your squatting position there, and realize that you're still eight feet from the net. <laughs> right. So we want that. So essentially, uh, we want that net player to be able to pop up and be in a position to immediately make an aggressive play at that first volley and and pressure the opponents right off the bat. So we're what we're not looking for, guys, is that that net player to pop up and be so far away that they're just kind of playing an average, you know, they're just blocking the volley back in play, and then the point kind of start, kind of resets again, and everybody starts vying for position. We, we want that net player to pop up and immediately be in a position where they can try to finish that point right then and there and just take care of business. So if you're, if you're coming up and the ball is getting down at your feet, uh, you need to get closer into the net. You should feel like, uh, like Jason was saying, you're just getting right on top of that net and just finishing things immediately. Anything else to add to that, Jay? Uh, no. I mean, if if ball gets below your waist, you're doing it wrong. Nobody yeah, should yeah. be able to hit a ball below your waist because you should right right on that net after you pop up. So if if you're finding yourself having really difficult volleys, uh, move closer. I agree. All right, now let's talk about the, the server. We, we talked a little bit there about the net player specifically, where, where to start, what position to start in, and, and how to move right off of your, your first step there from your lunge or your, your squatting position. Now let's talk about the server. Sally asked, where, where should the server be aiming? Uh, should we be going out wide for an angle, down the tee, or, or at the body? What are your thoughts on that, Jason? Well, obviously this is pretty situational. If you've got mm-hmm. somebody with a just a horrible stroke on one side and a great shot on the other, then uh, you might disregard what I'm about to say. But in general, you want to serve primarily down the down the tee and into the body. Going out wide makes it a little too easy to get the ball away from that net man. Right. Uh, and the whole the whole goal of this positioning is to have the net man hit the ball. So primarily yeah. tee and tee and body. Yep, I agree. And uh, yeah, when you and I played, I, I'd be hard pressed to think of any time where we uh, did eye formation and and tried to go out wide at all. Um, typically, we were hitting flats or heavy t- heavy spin spinning shots, uh, either down the tee or at the body. 
Um, down the tee is great, guys, because it, it keeps the ball right in front of your partner. It's not angling off away from them like on a like a wide serve would. Um, it's staying right in front of where your partner is, and so they can pop up and have the ball you know immediately in front of them. And so they have a very good look at that return of serve right off the bat, and they they have a good chance of getting their racket on it and finishing the point for you. Going all wide is dangerous because it leaves that that alley open. Um, so what about the lob, Jason? We're, we're talking about this this player getting really close to the net, and Sally in her question mentioned that she was staying back. Uh, we've we've gone over this briefly in, in other in other shows where you and I have been talking about doubles. But what do you think about the fact that Sally was staying back? I would assume probably to to kind of get a feel for the points and uh, kind of get a lay of the land and see if they're going to lob or if they're going to drive or how easy or hard of a time her partner's going to have up there at the net. Do you think she should be staying back to, to cover that? Well, no, would be the answer. <laughs> uh, it depends, Sally, on how good your partner is. Hopefully your partner's a monster up there and going to go for just about everything. Uh, but you should be moving in. You should try and move them towards where you know your partner's not going to cover. Uh, and if a lob goes up, Hopefully you're split stepping when they hit the ball, so you can just hit an overhead. That's uh, right. one of the easier returns that they could possibly give you would be a lot. So that that'd be ideal situation. If you're staying back, you're pretty much allowing them to lob and then take over the net while you're forced to hit a ground stroke from back far in the court, which is obviously not a situation we want to be in. I I agree. And Sally, let me encourage you along with Jason here get to the net. You, you want to be up there with your partner as soon as possible. We're, we're trying to just smother that net and, and put a ton of pressure on our, on our opponents. And we want to finish the points in our favor, clearly, as often as possible and as quickly as possible. Uh, so don't stay back and, and just kind of be passive and wait and see what's going on. Uh, clearly, we're, we're putting our partner up there close to the net right away because it's a good thing. We want them up there close. So that we can try to try to win the points quickly. If you stay back, you give your opponents kind of a a, a release valve. You, you give them a spot on the court where if they can get it there, meaning your side of the court, wherever you happen to be covering, now they're back in control again. That they have the time to close in if they want to, and uh, you're far away from them, and it's much more difficult for you to finish points from there. So in doubles in general, Jason and I are are both going to uh, tell you as as much as possible get to the net quickly and as often as you can. Um, as Jason was saying, a lob, in an upper-level player's mind, a lob is, is the best, best thing possible. Is, uh, Jason or I, or I playing doubles, when we see a lob, we're licking our chops immediately. It's almost irrelevant how deep it is. Now, granted, he and I move better and have uh, better overheads than, than an average-level player, but... Uh, that's something that we want you guys to work on. If you don't feel like you can pressure off an overhead now, we want you guys to start developing that as soon as possible so that it's not even a question if you should move in or not. You you will be moving in. Yeah, if if you're scared when an overhead goes up, then you need to work <laughs> on your overheads before you even worry about formations or doubles in general because in the in, in this is a different podcast, but when an overhead goes up, that point is over or at least you're in, in heavy command. So, yeah, that, that should be uh, not something to really worry about. Hopefully. I agree. Well, let's, let's talk about 
signals, Jason, we, we talked about the net person going one way or the other. How do we, how do we figure out exactly what play we're, we're going to be using from one point to the next? Well, that, that's the thing. Uh, two quick things on that for information. Sure. For one, the server's got to know what way his, his net man's going. Otherwise, you're just standing directly behind him. Right. And uh, pr- pretty easy to get beat that way. So you've got to be making a signal somehow. Uh, there's a bunch of ways you can do it. I use my, uh, you know, pinky thumb and middle finger for a body serve. Uh, obviously, we can figure that out. That's that's pretty simple. Or you can just walk back and uh, talk to your partner and say, hey, you serve out wide. I'm going to pop up and stay in the middle. Okay, we got it. We move on. No problem there. Um, but if you, if you don't know where he's going, there's going to be some, some errors. The second <laughs> important thing is that remember you're forcing people to do a really hard thing, which would be take a ball from the middle of the court and somehow hit it down the line. You're forcing them to hit a really sharp inside-out angle because they're scared of your uh, your net man. So they're going to make some of those. Keep in mind when they do hit one of those amazing returns that that's you know, part of the game. That's a percentage, and you're hoping that – you're not playing someone who's so good they can do that, you know, at a really high percentage. Sure. In which case, you're pretty much just going to have to say good game at the end of the match anyway. If, yeah, if they're really that good. Somebody who can, who can just take those balls and easily rip them within six inches of the line. You're playing somebody who's on the ATP tour and they're, they're going to just beat you down no matter what. Let's talk about uh, covering the court and this is something that, that I feel uh, I get a sense is probably going to be um, one of the more important things that we go over, Jason. So let's, let's discuss a, a specific instance, specific uh, circumstance here. Uh, Jay, let's say that you and I are, are playing a point. I'm serving. You are, are up at the net, and we're serving in an eye formation just like we talked about. So I'm going to be right up next to the hash mark in the middle of the baseline. You, the net player, are going to be um, pretty much right over the uh, center service line, and I'm going to serve down the tee. Now, you, you said a second ago that when, when doing the signs and talking beforehand, setting up the points, um, you gave the example of, of saying, all right, you serve, uh, I think you said at the body. So let's say I'm serving at the body, and Jason had told me that he was going to stay right there in the middle. So I know that some listeners are hearing that and saying, well, if, if Jason stays right in the middle of the court, doesn't that mean that the returner is going to be able to basically have an equal shot at either side of the court? Because Jason's standing right in the middle, so they could either hit to the right or to the left of him. But, Jason, I know you're, you're obviously saying, well, no, that's not true. Can you please explain, uh, if, you, if you stay in the middle, you're actually covering one whole half of the court. And which half is that, Jason? Well, I'm actually covering about 70% of the court if I'm, if I'm in the middle there. And it'd be the cross-court half, which is the easier half for them to return on. Right. Uh, and the primary reason of doing eye formation is everybody's good at hitting cross-court returns. So you want to take that one away the majority of the time. It's also the easier one for you to cover because you can just basically aim it from your position there. So you could be the right. slowest, slowest man on two feet and you're still in position. <laughs> And so covering the, uh, a, a big majority of the court. Um, right. But the, the so reason the, for that is I assume that when somebody hits a ball, I can take one step and put my racket out. And if I'm, if I'm right on that center line and a 
conservative will say in the deuce court goes into the body. If I take one step towards the net to my right, for one, my racket's going to be on the net. For two, the angle's totally gone. There's no way it can get past me. Right. And so I, I assume that that's primarily covered. If I see it goes to the left, I take one step over to the left, and I've covered at least half of that side as well. So it's not it's not that I'm just popping up and covering the uh, the right side. I'm ready for both, but the right side I will not get beat on, whereas it might might beat me down the line, and then hopefully you're there. Exactly. And I, I think that's really important for our listeners to understand. When, when we're in that situation, serving from an eye formation, and Jason pops up and he's right in the middle uh, of the court and close to the net, um, he, because the returner is over on the deuce half of the court, he is covering primarily a cross-court shot. And as he said, by taking one step to his left, uh, he could probably cover a good amount of, of down-the-line shots as well. Uh, anything that goes you know, actually in the alley or, or over well to his left, that's where I'm covering. And that's what we're discussing when we talk in between points is who's going to cover which side. But it, it's very important to understand, Sally, and everybody else listening, that this is such a huge advantage because Jason is automatically in a position to cover a ton of the courts. But the, the biggest part that he's covering is, as he's saying, is, is the easiest spot to hit, cross court. It's where the net is lowest. It's where the court is longest. And it's what everybody practices when they go out and, and they practice their doubles is they practice hitting their returns of serve cross-court. So if you and your partner can set up this formation, and if, if your partner can place the ball down the tee where the ball is going to be right in front of you, and if you can pop up close to the net and right around the, tee, right around the uh, center line, maybe a little bit to the right of the center line, you've got a huge advantage going into that point. Uh, assuming that your partner is doing their job, and as soon as they're done with their serve, they're hustling over to the left in case that... Uh, your opponents do hit down the line. Um, we've got a big advantage there going into that point. Yeah, and then you kept saying if, but there's really no reason they can't. You know, <laughs> yeah, you, you can just pop up towards the net. It's not a, anything that a high-level guy needs to be executing. This is like, you know, my, I'm pretty sure my grandma could do that. So it's, <laughs> it's a matter of your grandma's pretty sweet. Grandma though. Would, I mean, come on. Oh, she's an excellent player, but <laughs> you got You got to cover. <laughs> You know, she she might not be able to keep her racket above her head, uh, you know, in front of her face like like the listeners would be expected to. But the positioning is is just basic. It's just a matter of getting out there and and doing it. There's no no if you can do it. I agree. So this is why it's it's important to go at the body or or, or down the tee, uh, meaning down the middle of the court. Everybody is is Jason is is automatically set up to cover that cross-court return extremely well just based off of where he's automatically starting the point so we kind of uh negate a little bit of his advantage by going out wide because that gives the return of serve player a little bit better look at that down the alley shot so uh, body serve or uh, up the tee is is pretty much going to be your best bet and um, going back to uh, jason what you were talking about the signs and uh, talking between points um, i would encourage you guys to use both and it's it's good for your your partnership if if you guys just talk between every point, just get a feel for what each other um, what both people are thinking and how they're feeling about how the points are going. Um, get each other's feedback on strengths or weaknesses that you guys might think that uh, your your opponents have, and uh, work to really work together as a team in between every point. That doesn't mean that you sit there and talk for 
two minutes, obviously. Just exchange a couple words back and forth. Make sure you're both on the same page. And then go up to the nets and uh, go ahead and do your signals. Yeah, well, that's that's one of the worst ways you could possibly lose a point is, you know, I tell you I'm staying, and then the guy hits a crappy return down the line, but you're not there because you thought I was going right. We somehow got right. confused. So I know I know when you and I played together, and we'd always walk up there and say, okay, I'm I'm serving T, you go right. And then I'd go up there, I'd show you the sign just to make sure that we're we're on the right page, and hopefully you don't yeah. get any of those <laughs> those. Points where you're going, oh, I thought you were going that side. Oh, that's, <laughs> you know that's, what? A, that's a painful way to give up points. You know, you know what? One of my all-time favorites is though, Jason, is uh, when when we set up a point like that and say, "All right, you're gonna serve T. I'm gonna stay to the right." And then I'm I'm sitting there, I'm crouching down, I'm like, "All right, I'm ready for this return. It's gonna go down the T. I'm gonna pop up. I'm gonna kill this nut person right in front of me." And then the serve comes, boom, and Jason hits an ace out wide. <laughs> just kind of turn around like what the but nice serve nice serve and Jason's well, like I have some, no idea what happened there well sometimes you see the guy cheating over a little bit and you you know <laughs> might have to take advantage if, if you have the serve that could could potentially do that but right. you know that that's pretty much the only reason that situation the only reason that I would serve out wide in that because even if they know I'm going down the middle most of the time it's still better to go there if I'm gonna hit a wide serve, it better be an ace or, or something that really hurts him. Absolutely, yeah. And it's worth pointing out that Jason and I have played a good amount of matches together, and th- this isn't about being necessarily sneaky, guys, and, and kind of being crafty and, and tricky. Um, let your opponents know exactly what you're doing, and not that you tell them your plan before every point. But Jason and I, I know, have played entire matches where we pretty much went down the tee and playing eye formation server goes down the tee and net person stays on their side meaning covering cross courts pretty much every point with with no need to mix it up at all and our opponents knew it was coming but we executed well and we just take over the points and just take care of business it's not even necessary to to have to mix it up a lot if you find a combination like this that really gives you the advantage yeah well i, I feel like a lot of players uh, even when I was uh, coaching in college, a lot of players try and be just too creative. They do something, yeah. it works. They do it again, it works again. But then they want to change it up just because they can't. Right, thinking, right. Wait, wait a minute. You know, if I serve down the pipe and we win that point four times in a row, I don't care who knows what I'm doing the fifth time. I don't care <laughs> if a spectator yells out he's serving down the tee. It doesn't matter. I'm doing it. Yep. Absolutely. You know, because that's just a massive percentage, and I, I need to, I need it to be proven to me that they can beat me that way, and not just one. You know, the majority of the time. I completely agree. All right, well, let's quickly touch on Australian uh, formation, and Sally didn't talk about this, but this is another formation you guys can use as well. And the difference between I formation and Australian is that the net player isn't in the middle of the court. They're not close to the service line. They're actually covering all the way over on the on the opposite side they normally would to fully take that, you know, just the cross court half of the uh, of the court. So if Jason and I were playing on the uh, deuce side, the uh, the server would be still pretty close to the uh, to the hash mark, and server's partner would be in the deuce side service box as opposed to the ad side service box, which is a standard formation. And when would we when would we want to pull this out, Jason? Uh, if 
if the cross court return that they're hitting is just still too good for your iPhone mission, whether you're not fast enough or their return is just uh, incredible cross court, yeah. uh, and they're they're hitting that all day, that'd be a good. This is a good situation to be in because there's no way they can get it past your cross court when you start over there. Um, in addition, I'd like to say that you still you're definitely more towards that center line than you would be in the normal position. Uh, I would say maybe three feet away from the center okay. line, not not right in the middle of the box because you're still right. looking to be active. And if you're if you're all the way over into that box, then that return down the line is just too easy. And you're you're just not going to get in play. Yep. So so basically, guys, this this is just another tool in your uh, toolbox. Just just another way to mix things up and and adjust based on your opponent's strengths and weaknesses. And as Jason said, and it both as both of us said a minute ago, uh, when you find something that works, you just keep hammering away at that same strategy or that same that same setup of shots again and again and again. And you make them adjust in some way and come up with a better shot in some way. And don't even think about trying anything else until they've proven that they can come up with you know, some way to beat you in, in whatever strategy that you first came up with that is winning you points. Uh, but Australian, uh, the Australian formation is just another way that you can adjust for a good cross-court return. Make them try to hit down the line. Make them have to try to hit down the line um, because that's the tougher shot. It's as easy as that. Make them make them do the hard thing. If you're going to get beat, you want it to be by, you know, them making the most difficult situation uh, yeah. out of out of the ball. Don't let them just Definitely. return to cross court all day and sit there and that. You know, uh, just to add one last thing. You know, when with the people I teach, even even the very lower level ladies, say if you're at net and you don't hit any return that the net player uh, to help your server out. If you're the net player and you don't hit a single return, you don't pick off a single ball, you're, you're kind of useless up there. <laughs> so I, I try to say two a game at minimum, and that's if there's only four points. So it's, it's hard for those ladies and most people to get two out of four balls if they're just standing there. So I yeah, formation the situation, you know, something. Make it happen. Yeah, that's pretty classic, um, like, 3.0 or or somewhere around that level response is is the one player will be uh uh at the net and just stand there and literally turn back and forth and watch the ball go cross court back and forth back and forth and then after uh the the partner's serve gets broken they complain that their partner's serve got broken oh their serve got broken every time and they're standing up there at the net not doing anything at all uh to help them out um in high level doubles guys a lot of times the net player um has more to do with holding serve than than even the server does um you, you need to play a strong supporting role there and and help them out as much as possible well we're we're going to wrap things up that went so quickly jason um it seems like we've only been talking for like 2 or 3 minutes um any last thoughts before we we sign off uh i'll just say if i get broken it's your fault Ian. <laughs> Uh, fair enough <laughs> it's, it's my fault <laughs> All right, Jason thank you for joining us and great conversation there about uh, I formation and, and uh, Australian formation as well it's always a pleasure to have you on the show alright that does it for episode number 180 of the Essential Tennis Podcast 
Thank you very much for listening, and I hope that you enjoyed my conversation with Jason. I I need to get him back on the show again. It's been a while since I've had him as a guest, but I really enjoy talking with him because he's very knowledgeable and very honest. (laughs) He'll tell you exactly what he's thinking, and that's, uh, I think, always an entertaining uh, kind of person to, to listen to. So thanks again for listening today and make sure to go to completetennisfitness.com this week. Get the free course before it goes away on July 27th. And if you're interested in joining Steve and I inside the full course, also go to completetennisfitness.com. Again, 19-week fitness program designed specifically for tennis players and we can't wait to get started. So with that, I'm going to wrap up for this week. Thank you very much for joining me. Take care and good luck with your tennis.